the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Grace and peace to you and welcome to Reaching for Real Life with Pastor Sean Azaro. He's the senior pastor of River City Community Church in San Antonio, Texas, as this is a church that exists to help people just like you find the real life you were created for and then find it to the full. That's what Jesus promised in John 10.10. And today we continue in the series called The Exodus as we hear the final message in this series, which tees it all up for Easter. Jesus is getting ready to do what he came to earth to do, and that is to die. And he hosts the event known as the Last Supper, where he connects the dots that he is the Passover lamb. He is the sacrifice. Pastor Sean explains the four cups used in the Passover Seder, and it is powerful. Reachingforreallife.org has this full message, sermon notes, and series available for free. If you feel led to bless this listener-supported radio ministry, then please do so today. There's a place to give at reachingforreallife.org. The message today is called The Passover. The series is called The Exodus. Sean starts off in Exodus chapter 12. It's time for Reaching for Real Life Radio. So if you have your Bibles this morning, I want you to turn Exodus chapter 12. And we begin right at the top at verse 1. You remember that all the plagues had happened. And God had said there's going to be one more plague. And that's the death of the firstborn. Beginning at verse 1 of Exodus 12, we read this. The Lord said to Moses and Aaron in Egypt, the month, this month is to be for you the first month, the first month of your year. Tell the whole community of Israel that on the 10th day of this month, each man is to take a lamb for his family, one for each household. If any household is too small for a whole lamb, they must share one with their nearest neighbor, having taken into account the number of people there, there are. You determine the amount of lamb needed in accordance with, with what? Each person will eat. Listen to this. The animals you choose must be year-old males without defect. That's significant. And you may take them from them, them from sheep or goats. Take care of them until the 14th day of the month when all the members of the community of Israel must slaughter them at twilight. They are to take some of the blood and put it on the sides and the tops of the door frames of the houses where they eat the lambs. That same night, they are to eat the roasted the meat roasted over the fire along with bitter herbs and bread made without yeast. Do not eat the meat raw or boiled in water, but roast it over a fire with head, legs, internal organs. Do not leave any of it till morning. If some is left till morning, you must burn it. This is how you are to eat it until you are this is how you are to eat it. Listen to this. With your cloak tucked into your belt, your sandals on your feet, and your staff in hand. Eat it in haste. It is the Lord's Passover. It's like, what's the hurry, God? You know, Pharaoh's been saying no to everything. We've been going through this thing, all these plagues, all these things. God's like, yeah, that's about to change. The whole point has been, I want you to leave. I want you out of Egypt. And this is going to accomplish that. So when you eat this Passover meal, I want you to be ready to leave. And I want you to be ready to leave in a hurry. I think we have to remember, these are slaves who had been beaten down over centuries of slavery. And these are people who'd watched this plague after plague after plague after plague, and Pharaoh keeps saying no. I'm, I'm sure after the first one, they're like, wow, he's gonna, that, that's obviously God. Second one, well, th- that's obviously God. 
Third one, well, that's obviously God. You ever seen someone who's around the things of God, around the people of God, seeing the move of God and the hand of God, who just, their heart just doesn't seem to soften? He says this, he says, verse 12, on that same night I will pass through Egypt and strike down every firstborn of both people and animals, and I will bring judgment on all the gods of Egypt. I am the Lord. The blood will be a sign for you on the houses where you are, and when I see the blood, I will pass over you. No destructive plague will touch you when I strike Egypt. The blood was to be put on the door frames, sides, the top, almost making a cross, if you will, as you watch the pattern. And that blood was going to be a sign. And you can just imagine these people huddled in their homes, having done everything God said, and yet all of a sudden they begin to hear the screams and the cries and the wails of the people, the Egyptians around them who are experiencing the terrifying judgment of God whom Pharaoh and his people had shaken their fist at. I will pass over you. No destructive plague will touch you when I strike Egypt. And we know that is exactly what the Lord did. And the Egyptians did exactly what the Lord said they would do. They will send you out. And they send them out not only quickly. They send them out with plunder, anything to get them out of Egypt. And then verse 14. This is a day you are to commemorate. For the generations to come, you shall celebrate it as a festival to the Lord, a lasting ordinance. God says, I'm going to set you free. And we know, according to the story, that's exactly what he did. And he said, but what I want you to do, this is so significant. This is so central to who you are as a people. I want you to celebrate this every year for generations to come. And then in verses 15 through 20, he basically gives them instructions on how this celebration is to work. It's a celebration of remembrance. It's called the Passover or the Feast of Unleavened Bread. Actually, the festival is the Feast of Unleavened Bread. It begins with the meal or the Passover feast, which was to be on the 14th day of the first month of the Hebrew calendar. Remember, God said, this will begin your calendar. It's because of this. The month is called Nisan, or some call it Abid. 14th day, it's the Passover feast, a seven-day festival of unleavened bread with sacred assemblies on the first day and the last day. There's no work to be done through this whole festival. It's like a Sabbath. The whole festival is a huge Sabbath break for them to pause and remember the Passover, the deliverance of God. They're to have bread during that time without any leaven, which is yeast. And in fact, this is such a big deal that part of the ceremony was there must be no leaven or yeast in the whole house. They had to go and clean every little bit. And understand something about this Passover. And I want you to think about this in terms of American history and where we are as a people. This is a a celebration that has existed and has been celebrated every year for over 3,000 years. When Jesus is 12 years old, remember, and his family had gone to celebrate Passover, they leave and he gets stuck behind. It was 12 to 1,400 years old at that time. And I know some of us go, well, that's cool. That's really interesting. What does that have to do with us? Do you understand that Jesus' first words in the New Testament when he was 12 years old, and his final act of redemption all happened centered around this celebration called Passover and Feast of Unleavened Bread. His death, burial, and resurrection are all steeped in this Passover. Do you know why our date of Easter, anybody frustrated, why can't they just do Easter on the same day every year? It would be so much easier. You're planning, you have travel, family. It's because it's centered around, it is linked in the church calendar, what is called the Paschal or the Passover full moon which is the first full moon after the spring equinox, which which is March 20th. And that's because the church just said, okay, we're going to set it here. Rather than actually waiting and watching the lunar movement every year, we're just going to say, yeah, this is a pretty good day. March 20th, basically, 
That's that turning point. First full moon after the spring equinox. It's called the Paschal full moon, Passover full moon. Stop thinking about it, at least monthly and, and, and more because ministries do it, community groups do it. We share the Lord's table together all as a family, which was instituted at the Passover meal. You have to understand, our faith is steeped in this celebration here. In fact, Jesus gives us, makes this crystal clear what this has to do with us. Where, why is this our festival? Why is this our celebration? Jesus makes it clear in Matthew chapter 26. Why don't you flip over there in your Bibles. Matthew 26. I'm going to begin reading at verse 17. That's what the word says. Now, on the first day of unleavened bread, the disciples came to Jesus saying, where will you have us prepare for you to eat the Passover? He said, go into the city, go into the city to a certain man and say to him, the teacher says, my time is at hand and I will keep the Passover at your house with my disciples. And the disciples did as Jesus had directed them and they prepared the Passover. See, this is a normal Passover celebration for them. They'd done this every year of their life. Think Thanksgiving, right? Where do you want us to go get the turkey? That's what, they're, that's, that's what this is like. It's a religious, deeply significant. I think for a lot of us, Thanksgiving is a very religious, deeply significant, giving thanks to the Lord. It's that kind of thing. They'd done this every year of their whole lives. It's a normal Passover until it wasn't. Because verse 20 says, when it was evening, he, Jesus, reclined at the table with the 12. And as they were eating, he said to them, truly I say to you, one of you will betray me. They were very sorrowful and began to say to him one after another, is it I, Lord? He answered, he who has dipped his hand in the dish with me will betray me. The Son of Man goes as it is written of him, but woe to that man by whom the Son of Man is betrayed. It would have been better for that man if he had not been born. And then Judas, who would betray him, answered, Is it I, Rabbi? He, Jesus, said to him, You've said so. And then verse 26, Now as they were eating, this is where it got very, very different. Okay, This is where everything changed. This was not a normal Passover from this moment forward. As they were eating, Jesus took bread, unleavened bread, of the Passover meal. And after blessing it, he broke it and gave it to his disciples. And he said, Take, eat. This is my body. What? And he took a cup, and when he'd given thanks, he said to them, he gave it to them, saying, Drink of it, all of you, for this is my blood of the covenant, which is poured out for many for the forgiveness of sins. Wait a minute, Jesus. I thought we were talking about the blood on the doorposts of the Lamb. This is my blood of the covenant, which is poured out for many for the forgiveness of sins. I tell you, I'll not drink again of the fruit of the vine until the day when I drink it new with you in my Father's kingdom. Let me pray for us. Lord, I thank you for what this coming weekend, what this scripture, what it all points to. I thank you for what you did. I thank you for what Passover means, not just to our Jewish friends, Lord, but to us. I thank you. I just pray that you will speak to us this morning. Help us to hear you. In Jesus' name. Amen. And let's take a quick minute to remind you, you're listening to Reaching for Real Life Radio with Pastor Sean Azaro, a listener-supported ministry of River City Community Church in this message called The Passover. It's in the series called The Exodus, which is available right now on the sermon page at reachingforreallife.org. And while you're there, if you've been blessed by this teaching, your gift of any amount helps this radio ministry continue to help others. Just find the Donate tab at reachingforreallife.org. And in fact, your gift of any amount will get you the latest book from Pastor Sean Azaro. 
302 Books, a division of Salem Media Group, presents A Pilgrim's Guide to the Spirit-Filled Life, Rediscovering the Gift of the Spirit, authored by Sean Azaro, pastor of River City Community Church in San Antonio, Texas. Growing up in and around Pentecostal churches, I really learned to appreciate the role of the Spirit in the life of the believer. But I also saw what I considered to be imbalance and excess in some of our churches when it came to how we taught about the infilling. Now available at Amazon.com, Sean Azaro shares his most requested teaching and radio broadcast series in a devotional form, encouraging you to embrace the Spirit-filled life. I wrote in a devotional style to encourage readers to examine the Scripture with fresh eyes and make room for the Lord to speak about the role of the Spirit in our lives. The goal of the whole book is to simply make you hungry for more of the Spirit. Order your copy of A Pilgrim's Guide to the Spirit-Filled Life by Sean Azaro today at Amazon or reachingforreallife.org. And now the conclusion to the message, The Passover. This is Reaching for Real Life Radio. See, if you've ever been a part of a Seder, a Passover meal, it's all designed to tell a story. It's designed to tell this story. A lamb shank is on the table, and it reminds the participants of the need for a Passover lamb. And you remember, it had to be one without blemish. It had to be a spotless lamb. Bitter herbs recall the pain and the bitterness of their slavery. Unleavened bread speaks of the haste with which the people had to leave. In other words, there wasn't even time to use yeast and have it rise. But it also, the fact that they had to clean out all the leaven, it speaks to the purity, complete purity, as every bit of leaven had to be swept from their houses. And then it's interesting. There are four cups of wine on the Passover table, and they speak to four promises of deliverance that were given earlier in Exodus, in Exodus 6, 6, and 7. And every Passover meal, these four cups are on the table, and they will go through the meal, and these cups of wine will be shared. And they point to these four promises of deliverance that God gave in Exodus 6. Listen, therefore say to the Israelites, I am the Lord, and I will bring you out from under the yoke of the Egyptians. There's one. I will free you from being slaves to them. Two, and I will redeem you with an outstretched arm and mighty acts of judgment. There's three. And number four, I will take you as my own people. I will be your God. Then you'll know that I am the Lord your God who brought you out from under the yoke of the Egyptians. And what I find so fascinating is the passage we just read in Matthew where Jesus said, this is my body, this is my blood. See, he is grafting us into the story. He's grafting us into God's complete plan and story of redemption. The moment he said, this bread, this cup, this is my body and blood given for you. He's grafting us into that story. This must have absolutely blown his disciples' mind when you think about it. I, I don't know if they had a way to even process this. They had talked about Jesus. He'd made references to the Son of Man must be offered up, all these different things, but they didn't understand. I think what's happening is they're starting to see, oh, wait a minute. In the same way there was a Passover lamb that was given, you're going to be given. They had celebrated their meals, this meal, their whole lives. They'd heard this story told every year since childhood. It's a part of the Seder. The story is told. And now... God's full plan is revealed at that table for those disciples and in this passage this morning for us. See, here's the whole point of the message. Here's the point of all this. Jesus is our Passover lamb. Jesus is our Passover lamb. And we we need to understand that. That is such a powerful biblical understanding. The New Testament church understood that completely. Jesus is our Passover lamb. When John the Baptist 
introduced Jesus. John chapter 1, 29. The next day he, John, saw Jesus coming toward him. What did he say? Behold, the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. In 1 Corinthians 5, 6, and 7, the Apostle Paul is writing. He says, your boasting is not good. Don't you know that a little leaven leavens the whole lump? He's talking about impurity. A little bit. Well, just a little sin's okay. No, he's saying it's not. A little bit of leaven leavens the whole lump of bread. Cleanse out all the old leaven that you may be a new lump. You didn't know the Bible told you we were to be a new lump. We love new creation better, but this is every bit as biblical. You're a new lump in Christ. Cleanse out the old leaven that you may be a new lump as you really are unleavened, as you are purified in him. Why? For Christ, our Passover lamb, has been sacrificed. See, the New Testament church understood this fully and completely. The bread, Jesus said, this is my body. And it was unleavened bread. It was pure. His life was sinless, offered for us. And and then he said, this cup, this cup is my blood poured out for you, the payment for sin, the power to be set free. You remember these four cups? Each one represents the promise of God. And what Jesus is telling us, what they're telling us, he's our Lamb of God. He made the provision. This unleavened bread, this is my body broken for you. What Jesus is saying, all four of these promises are secured for us in Christ. And that's what I want us to look at for just a couple minutes this morning. These four promises The first cup would be called the cup of sanctification. Cup of of sanctification. Because the promise was, I will bring you out. That's the first promise. I will bring you out. That's what Jesus, that's what God promised to do at the Passover. And that's what Jesus does for us. That's number one. See, I will bring you out of sin. I will bring you out of bondage. I will bring you out of addiction. I will bring you out of the world that you have been been ensnared by. I'll bring you out of Egypt. It's the cup of sanctification. Sanctification means being set apart for him, being pulled out of one thing. You know, when we talk about holiness and sanctification, this is what we mean. We're being pulled out of one thing, one kingdom, and we talk about this a lot, and into another. We understand that. But what I want you to understand is is Jesus, when he did this, and then when he filled us with his spirit, he said, no, I'm really going to do this for you. This isn't just something that we look at and think of, of, you know, have misty-eyed memories and misty-eyed celebrations as we think of what God did for them and what moral lessons we might learn from that. No. He said, this is my body. This is my blood poured out for you. In other words, he is going to sanctify us and set us free. And some of you right now are in a situation or a place in life and you go, I don't think, this isn't where I want to be. This isn't what I was created for. I just want you to know, God agrees with you. And even if you're in a place where you go, I love where I'm at right now. And God, I'm firing on all cylinders. Thank you, Lord. I give thanks. I just want you to know, that's not, you're not done yet. He is sanctifying you. He is delivering you. He is bringing you to what he created you for. That's why he set us free with his death on the cross. That's why he set us free from sin, from bondage, from addiction. It's one of the things, and, and I understand it, and I'm not trying to, to, you know, I'm not trying to turn over the, all, all the kind of common sense of recovery. 
But I want to say to you, there are some of you here who are struggling with addiction, maybe have struggled with addiction, and you've been taught to say, I am an addict, I am an addict, I am an addict. And I understand the functional purpose of that, and, I, and I, I'm absolutely fine with that, and I'm supportive of that. But I just want you to know in God's eyes, he doesn't look at you and go, well, you're pretty good, but you're an addict. He doesn't see you that way. He sees you that, yes, you were. We all were. We all have a sin nature. You know, when they talk about different types of sin, you know, they talk about homosexuality, they talk about other things, they talk about is there a gene? Is there, is there a gene that caused it? Well, you know, I, I don't know if they found any particular gene that causes that particular sin. I just know I've got a sin gene. It's called the flesh. I have a genetic predisposition in my flesh to disobey God, to do what I want, to have, attra- I have attractions that are, not, that are not the way God designed me. That are, not the, that are not what God has for me. Maybe, maybe you have an attraction to steal because you don't have enough and you want to have more. And you have an attraction to steal. Maybe you've got an attraction towards physical aggression because there's anger in you and, there, and that's how you resolve things. Maybe yours is a same-sex attraction issue. You don't feel like you can control your urges. Maybe it is a, an opposite-sex attraction that you don't feel you can control your urges. See, we've all got unhealthy, sinful attractions. It's called the flesh. And is it genetic? I don't know. It's a part of the flesh. And what I'm saying is Jesus came to set us free from that. He came to set us free. We don't have to stay there. We don't have to be slaves. You have been called out. And the way has been made possible through his work on the cross. That's what the cup, the first cup, the cup of sanctification tells us. See, Jesus is the door to our freedom because Jesus is our Passover lamb. The second cup is called, this is the cup of deliverance. The cup of deliverance. Because remember what he said. He said, I'm going to deliver you from your slavery. And what I want to say, our second point is you're no longer slaves. What that means for us is you are no longer slaves because of Jesus. He has delivered you. He has set you free. And what he did is on the cross, he paid the penalty for our sins so we could be forgiven. And then he's filled us with his Holy Spirit so we could be set free. See, when we're in sin, when we're in brokenness, when we're in addiction, whatever it is we're in, in rebellion to him, we're slaves, whether we know it or not. And we weren't meant to be slaves. We were meant to be free. See, he sets us free from this life of slavery into a life of purpose and promise. How are you doing at living in the purpose and promise of God for you? I mean, really, if, you, if we were sitting down talking and I was asking you to, to kind of on a scale of 1 to 10, how are you doing at living in the purpose and promises of God for you, how would, what kind of answer would you give me? You don't have to answer now. This is between you and the Lord. And I think a great way would, to, to handle that is ask him, God, how am I doing? Because I might sit and go, well, Lord, I'm, I'm leading a ministry. I'm a pastor. I, I preach your word, so I'm probably doing okay. And God might say, well, that's great, Sean, but see, I, I have more purpose. I've made more promises. And, and you're leaving a whole lot on the table. You're leaving a lot on the table. And I want to call you to more. I created you for more. God has called you and created you for a life of promise and a life of purpose. 
How are you doing at walking and living in that life of promise and purpose? See, we're no longer slaves because Jesus is our Passover lamb. The third cup, this cup, is interesting. This is the cup of redemption. The cup of redemption. And the third promise for us is Jesus says, I have redeemed you. I have redeemed you. That's his promise. What's interesting is this is the cup right here that Jesus was holding when he said it was after the meal. And after the meal, the cup of redemption is held up. And he said this is the blood of the new covenant. in My blood poured out for you. And they would have absolutely, because they understood the sacrificial system was designed to teach them that sin required a death penalty. The wages of sin is death. And they knew that, and they had gone, and they had seen the animals, the lambs, sacrifice for the sins of the people. They saw the high priest make the sacrifices on behalf of Israel. They understood it. They made the sin offerings. And so they all understood sin requires death penalty. When he held this up, said, this is my blood given for you, the new covenant my blood while holding the cup of redemption. They understood that what Jesus is saying is, not only am I going to set you free and you're going to have to look over your shoulder for the rest of your life because, you know, you're running around like a fugitive. No, you've been forgiven. You have been set free. His blood pays the penalty for your sins, for my sins, and we are completely free in him, free from guilt and shame. We don't have to live in the sins, the labels, the stuff of our past. Because he says, I've redeemed you. And the fourth cup, this was called the Hallel cup or the praise cup. And the promise was, I will make you my own. I will make you my own. See, at this point, Israel, now he made the promise to Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. But at this point, Israel became his chosen people. He created them and he brought them out. And what's beautiful for us Because the cross of Jesus Christ, the way he makes us his own is he makes us sons and daughters. We become joint heirs with Christ. We become his sons and his daughters because Jesus is our Passover lamb. That is Pastor Sean Azaro. You've been listening to Reaching for Real Life Radio. If you'd like to hear this full message in the series called The Exodus, it's available right now on demand at reachingforreallife.org. And we'd also love to hear from you on our Contact Us page. Or even better, your financial gift helps this radio ministry continue. Find the Donate tab at reachingforreallife.org. But of course, you're invited to visit and join us at River City Community Church, located on Lookout Road right behind Rotama Park, right next to the Real Life Amphitheater. If you'd like to call the church, the number is 210-490-5262. As Reaching for Real Life Radio is a service of River City Community Church. We hope you join us again next time as you travel the road to real life. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn. 
deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal record to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.